You're about to hear a message that was preached at Calvary Fellowship in Miramar, Florida. At Calvary, we exist to help people take their next step with God. And we pray that this message helps you do just that. Good morning, Calvary! Hey, 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 my name is Pastor George. I'm the worship pastor here, if you don't know who I am. Can we give it up for the band? Come on now. Listen, we are blessed. I was over there just like, why am I not on stage today? You know, like, oh, anyway. Hey, so just a, just a quick question. How many of you in this room are parents? Oh, pray for these people. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. So uh, I'm going to talk about newborns. Is that okay? It was a very dark time in my life, newborns. I'd never slept. Anyway, so newborns, they're amazing, right? But they're also terrifying because, you know, when we first, get, when we first had our kids, we're just like, what do we do? Like, they're so little. Everything's so small. Everything is so sensitive. You're like, be careful, you know, all this stuff. And um, for those of you who don't, don't know, um, I have, my wife's name is Evelyn, and I have a nine-year-old daughter named Sarah who thinks she's 16. And then I have a six-year-old son named Jaden who looks like he's 27. Okay, he's like, he's huge. He's just humongous. He's humongous. So I remember the day, like if it was yesterday, the day that we had to bring uh, my son, the week that we had to bring my son home from the hospital. And um, we had everything set up, you know, like everything went well, you know, it was awesome. He was born, he was awesome, he was super cute. And, uh, and my mom was watching uh, Sarah at home. So I go, hey, I'm going to pick up Sarah and, um, and I'm going to, you know, like, have her meet her baby brother. It's going to be a, such a cute moment. It's like a monumental thing, if you have, especially if you have kids, you know this. Um, so everything's going according to plan. I go and I drive home. When I drive home, I see Sarah already outside. I'm like, oh, this is great, you know? So I park the car. Uh, my mom had done her hair. She's got all this curly hair and all this stuff. But then I notice that my front door is wide open, like wide open. And I'm just like, that's really strange, you know? And then as I get out of the car, I'm like, Mom, are you okay? And, and Sarah's like, oh, yeah, everything's fine. And I look, and out of my front door is nothing but smoke coming out of my house. And then when I look even further, I see my mom, and the, and the only way that I can explain it, she has this giant towel, and she's just like, you know? I'm just like, what is going on right now? Like, like oh, my God, like, like, I'm, fr- I'm freaking out. Anyway, I'm having a moment. So I get there, and I'm like, Mama, what happened? She's like, the house caught on fire, papi. I'm like, what, what do you, what? You know, so I go to my mom, like, what happened? You know, because of course, Cuban grandmas, they just can't call me. They can't, they just can't call us, let us know, hey, by the way, your house is gone. It's, you know what I mean? Like, so I go to my mom, like, what happened? And she's like, the house caught on fire. I'm like, great. You're awesome. I already heard that from the, you know, like, come on, what happened? It's like the AC unit exploded and it caught on fire. And I'm just like, okay, but like, where's the fire now? And she's like, no, no, the fire's gone. It just, it kind of happened and then it went away and it didn't spread. I'm like, okay, thank the Lord, you know, like, because I mean, I would have lost, I would have lost my house. It's done. Like the whole thing would have just caught on fire. So I remember just like, okay, at least, at least everybody is okay, right? That's number one. But now I start thinking like, I don't have AC in my house. It smells like burnt electrical wire. You know that smell. It's just nasty. And I have a newborn coming home this week. Like, what am I going to do? I mean, it's terrible, right? So I just calmed myself down and I said, okay, I'm going to call my friend who's an AC guy, and maybe he can help me out. Maybe there's, I don't know, we can do something. I don't know. I'm desperate. I need something. So I call him. He, uh, Jaden, my son, was born right after Thanksgiving. So it's like the holidays, all that stuff. So I call him. Hey, man, how you doing? You know, it's George. Uh, I, I'm sure you're really busy. Um, I, but listen, I'm in a situation. I just had a baby. He's like, 
really? When? I'm like, oh, uh, Evelyn, she, she gave birth yesterday. He's like, dude, congratulations. I'm like, oh, dude, thanks so much, man. Yeah, he's so cute. You gotta, you gotta, I, gotta send, I gotta send you some pictures. And I'm like, anyway, um, my house almost caught on fire because my AC unit blew up. What do I do? Like, I have to bring him home. I'm desperate, bro. Can you do something for me? He's just like, okay, get a screwdriver. I'm like, all right. We're going to be like MacGyver. Let's do this, you know? He said, all right, do you see screws? I'm like, yeah. So I open it up, and I take out this piece right here. And as you can tell, it's not doing too well, right? I send that to him. I'm like, all right, I found the piece. It had to be this. Okay, so what do I do? He's like, oof. Yeah, that piece, huh? Out of all the pieces, I'm like, out of all the pieces, you say? Yeah, out of all the pieces. Okay, well, this is my life. This is my life. Uh, he's like, listen, that's a really specific piece. I don't, I don't think I have it. It's going to take a few days to order it and get it in and install it and all that. I'm like, I don't have a few days, man. He's coming home tomorrow. He's like, I, the, George, there's nothing I can do. I'm like, can you call any of your other AC people? And like, maybe he's like, he's like, I'll try, but I mean, like, I'm sorry, man. I'm like, all right, you know what? Just order the piece. I'll just have to figure it out. And I'm just thinking, the first impression of my son is me taking him to like a, like, a, like a day's in, like, hey, son, welcome home, you know, like just, hey, you know, like, come on, dad, you can do better than that, right? So anyway, I said, I'll just figure it out, and I grabbed Sarah, and I'm going to take her to meet her baby brother, and this is that moment, just in case you were curious. I know. I've never felt more old in my entire life than seeing this picture right now, because, good Lord, they look like little babies. They were babies. They're still my babies. Anyway, so, um, so he, she meets him. It's, a, it's an amazing moment. We're both crying, <laughs> you know, whatever. And then I finally tell my wife, I'm like, hey, by the way, the house almost caught on fire. And she's just like, what? <laughs> like, so, you know, it was a moment there as well. Um, but, the, but here's the thing. Then I took Sarah back home. And when I get back home, the AC guy's truck is at my house. And I'm like, what? And I get off and I, I walk in. His name's Nelson. Nelson, what are you doing here? He's like, you're never going to believe this. And I'm like, try me, okay? He's like, I just, after we hung up, I just, I felt so bad for you and like, you know, the newborn and your wife and your, you know, so like I just checked the truck and it just so happens that I had this in the truck, which was the exact piece that I needed to be replaced and it was the only one in his truck and he found it in some corner, like, I'm like, what are the chances? I'm like, only God. That's right. God's got my back. That's right. That's what, that's what happens. You believe in Jesus, you know? <laughs> Thank you. So I get home. They, you know, after like 20 gallons of Febreze, the AC was working. The house was cool. And my son was ready to come home. Isn't that crazy? Crazy story, huh? I tell you that story because have you ever been in a desperate situation like I was in like that? Uh, yeah, 100%. Are you kidding me? All the time. I'm in the desperate situation right now. Are you kidding me? Yeah, right? I mean, if we, if we really think about it, we've been in a lot of different situations like that where we're desperate, and it's terrible. Because you know what happens? Your mind, that's where it first gets you. Your mind starts going 100 miles an hour. You start thinking about everything you can do, how to solve every problem in the universe. You start going crazy. Your body starts tensing up, and you just, you're in a moment. I mean, it's, it's bad. When we're desperate, we are like not in a good situation. We start believing things that are not true. This is never going to end well. It's over. I can't do this. You know, like we just start going crazy. So this happens a lot in finances, um, right? Maybe you're like looking at your bills. Your bills add up to one number, and your bank account, uh, it's a different number, right? It happens all the time. Maybe it happens not so much in finances for you, maybe in relationships. But Pastor George, he was so cute. And I started dating, you know, like she was so cute. And now they're cray cray, you know, and I'm stuck in this relationship. 
stupid. They're desperate to get out, right? We've been there. We've been in des- desperate situations. Those are silly examples. But what about something more serious? Maybe someone actually did. Like maybe you've been hurt, you know, in the past. You've got some wounds that you're carrying around. You, you stop being able to trust people. And, but you find yourself in a weird spot because you, you can't really trust people. And you want to move on in, with your life, but you can't trust people. And, and you're kind of stuck in this tension, this desperate moment right here. That's what, that's what we're talking about. That's what it is. Desperation looks different for every single one of us in this room. But I can guarantee you one thing. All of us, desperation always makes us feel the exact same way at the end of it, and that is hopeless. I mean, in that situation with my, with my AC, I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, I can't fix this thing by myself. I can't just create this peace. You know, I was hopeless. And a lot of times when we hit a dead end in our, in our lives, we just, we, we, we lose hope. But what if... I'm just hypothetically speaking here, okay? What if there was hope? We just couldn't see it. I mean, like, what, what if there was another way out of the mess that you find yourself in today? I mean, when you're in it, you're like, there's no, George, you don't know my mess. My mess is the king of all messes. I'm like, trust me, I don't care what you're in. He is more capable than anything to get you out of whatever mess you're in right now. Right, amen? Yeah. Yeah, so, so what if there's another way? I mean, what if there was, like, hypothetically speaking here, okay, amongst friends? What if there's like a book that we can read? It has chapters and stories and life and guidance and hope. And, uh, you know, like maybe they called it the Bible. It's weird. I don't know. Just hypothetically speaking, let's say that book exists in life where we can find endless amounts of hope. Would you even read it? I mean, I think if we're desperate enough, we would be desperate enough to do anything. Because desperate times call for desperate measures, right? Well, I'm glad you're here today. Because in our short time together, I believe that God is going to reveal himself not only to us, but to everybody in your life. Because when we're in desperate situations, it doesn't affect just you. It affects everybody around you as well. And I believe by the end of today, you're going to learn how to find God even in your most desperate of times. You're going to learn how to find God when you need him most. And maybe right now you're not in a desperate situation. Maybe your life is fine and dandy. That's cool. You're going to learn how to be equipped for that season that's going to be coming because guess what? The season's always coming. There's always something. There's always a curveball. There's always something. And so, and why is this so important? Why did you wake up this morning to come to Calvary? Because here's what I do believe. In a room this big with this many people, some of us in this room are struggling, and that's okay. And you don't have to be struggling with something monumental. Some of us are, but it could be the most, it could be a tiny thing, something very small, minute, that can just shake you just enough to shake your faith and make you start believing lies that are just not true. And I know with all my heart that you want to change that, and I know wholeheartedly that God wants that to change in every single one of our lives for sure. So, if you're with me, you guys ready? All right, let's do it. We're going to get into our Bibles. We're going to get to our our outlines. We're going to be in the book of Luke, chapter 8. And what we're going to do, we're going to look at one story. Now, the story is so important that it was written in three out of, the, out, of the, uh, out of the four Gospels. It was written in three of the Gospels. We're going to look at Luke's account. It's a story about two very desperate people that approach Jesus with two very different needs. So before we jump into it, you have to understand what happened before this. So Jesus just healed this possessed man and sent the demon into a herd of pigs. You might have heard the story before. The pigs take a skydive off of a cliff. It's a big thing. And the people in that city, they're like, you need to get out of here. I don't know who you are. I don't care. You need to get out. And they kick Jesus out of the city. He goes across the Sea of Galilee, and now he's in Capernaum, 
which is where we find him now. And he's in a very different situation. So if you're with me, let's check out, check out Luke 8. It says this. So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. Okay, if you pause there and give me your attention, what is this word thronged? No, it's not the throng, 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 not that. Don't, please. This is church, guys. This is church. Please, stop that. Stop that. It's a good song. Anyway, no, throng means basically they pressed him. They just, they surrounded him. They overwhelmed Jesus when he got there, right? And now to understand what we just read, it's going to set up the rest of the story. You have to understand who this Jairus guy is, okay? It says, we're told that he is a ruler of a synagogue. The people who were in charge of synagogues back then were elders. They, were, they had a position. They were given great esteem, very, a lot of authority in the Jewish community, okay? This guy was very important, okay? The man had a notable status, and he came to Jesus. Do you know what it took? Can you imagine what it took for a man like this? Very notable. I mean, everybody knew, knows it. And he's going to get on his, on his knees and beg Jesus in front of everybody. It, it took a lot. Because think about it. His coworkers were called religious leaders, a.k.a. people that wanted to kill Jesus, not good people. So what would they say? How can you possibly go to Jesus? That's the guy we're after. Like, what, what's wrong with you? What would people say? Like, like, isn't that Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue? Is he on his knees? <gasps> he's going up to that teacher that does the miracles. <gasps> and guess what? Jairus didn't care about what anybody was going to say. You know why? Because above every title that he held, the most important title that he held is that he was a dad. And he was a desperate dad that needed his little girl to be saved. So if we're going to find God in our desperate times, we need to look at Jairus. The first feeling in your outline is this. Be purposeful in your pain. If you want to find God in desperate times, you need to be purposeful in your pain. Um, tomorrow marks the one-year anniversary of my wife telling me that she's going to go rollerblading. And I'm like, okay, do you, girl. Go ahead. You know, go rollerblade. I don't know, whatever. And she's like, hey, I'm just going to go around the, the, the block one more time, and then I'll be back. Okay, cool. And then I get a phone call, and she says, I think I broke my leg. That changed things just a little bit, you know. Um, I took my kids with me. She's on the floor. Uh, and I'm just like, what do I do? I had to pick her up, throw her in the car. Like, you know, like I, I got people to watch my kids. It, it was crazy. She, she tore, she took a really bad fall. And she tore her P, P, PCL? PCL, right? Not ACL, PCL, which is another tendon. And she couldn't move her leg. She couldn't straighten it. She was done. So I rushed her to the hospital. It was, and like, she was devastated because her, one of her favorite uh, holidays besides Christmas is the 4th of July. Why? Because she loves hosting parties and hosting people, and she loves getting the family together, barbecue, pool. She's very different than me. I just like blowing things up on 4th of July. That's all I want to do. If I can lose a finger, then it's been a successful 4th of July. You know what I'm saying? It's just America. Anyway, so, so, that's what, that's what, so she was devastated. But here's the thing. My brother's a physical therapist, and he told her, he's like, listen, it, you, 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 didn't, you don't need surgery and all that stuff, so if you promise to do these exercises, I mean, if you consistently do these exercises, it's going to hurt like crazy. But you've got to do it. I know it's going to hurt. You have to stretch your leg out. You have to do these things. You have to do it. And if you do it, you're going to be walking and it's going to be like nothing ever happened, right? And if you want to know anything about my wife, the one thing you have to know is that she is the most determined 
and the most disciplined person I have ever met in my entire life, and she's married to me. <laughs> she's married to a hot mess right here, woohoo, you know? I mean, she's taught me how to organize some stuff, but my nightstand is still a disaster. I'm sorry, sweetie. Anyway, so anyway, but she is, and when something's on her mind, I mean, she's going to get that accomplished. When she has a goal, she's going to crush it. And you watch her now. She looks like, she can frolic like a, like a deer. In the, in the, you know, like her, her knee is awesome. Why? Because she had a purpose. I need to walk again. And she loves to exercise. Like, I need to get out of this. I cannot be like this for the rest of my life. So she had a purpose. And she was purposeful in her pain. And when she did that, she found the healing that she needed. So imagine if I would have done that to my knee. You know what I would have been doing? I would have been in bed like, <laughs> my knee. I can't walk. Life is terrible. And I just would have sat there and it would have gotten worse. And I would, have met, I would have had a limp for the rest of my life because I wouldn't have taken care of it. Jairus is a connected man. Okay. He had the ability to get the best doctors in the city to take care of his daughter. But guess what? It wasn't enough. Did that stop him? No. What did he do? He had to make one of the hardest decisions of his entire life. He had to leave his dying daughter. But he had a purpose. He was in a lot of pain, but he didn't let his pain take over his life. He grabbed that purpose and he ran with it and found the only person that can get him out of that situation, which was Jesus. And church, we're going to have problems in our lives. We're going to have hard times. We're going to have disappointments. We're going to get bad news. It's just the way it is. We shouldn't be surprised. Even Jesus says it in John 16. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Jairus had to make the biggest choice of his life, and we have to make the biggest choice of our lives when it comes to being in pain and being in a difficult situation. How do you deal with pain? You can either play the victim. That's a, that's a, that's a popular one, right? We can sit in our pain and just let it sit there and not do anything. We can freeze. We can hold grudges because he hurt us and she hurt us. We can just freeze and stop living the life that God intended us to live. Because of pain? Pain isn't bigger than our God. Are you kidding me? He looks at our pain and goes, that's like a little pebble, George. Come on, just move along. Trust me. Just trust me, right? But a lot of us, when we're in pain, we relive it over and over and over again. And we wonder, and this comes out of our mouth, where's God? My friends, God doesn't change. We do. Our situations change and make us maybe have a different perspective of God. But that's one choice that you can make in your pain. What about the second choice? We take the example of Jairus. What did he do? He didn't freeze. He left his daughter. And with a purpose, he moved toward God. Even this is a guy that he was after. Like he's like, hey, I don't believe in you. Guess what? He went toward him. And he believed that there was another way out. So what does it look like in your life to be purposeful? Okay, what does it look like in marriage? I'll tell you. Be the first one to apologize. George, but you don't understand. I don't care. Be the first one to apologize. Be the first one to run toward reconciliation. Because guess what? God reconciled us. Who are we not to reconcile the people in our lives? If last time I checked, every time that I've done a wedding, I always talk about, you know, you leave your mother and father and they become one flesh. So who are you trying to hurt by not forgiving? Because, right, what affects her affects you. What affects him affects you. All you're doing is beating yourself up. You're one flesh. So be purposeful with your pain. If you're in pain right now, if someone blew it, if your 
husband forgot to take out the trash the 17th time you told him, which happens a lot, and I'm sorry, right? <laughs> Be the first one to show grace because Jesus showed grace to us. What does it look like in, in maybe in friendship, right? In friendship, do I want somebody to be like, hey, George, you're awesome, man. I love hanging out with you. It's great. I'm your friend. You know, like, that's not a friend. That's just an acquaintance that you like hanging out with. It can't just be like, you know, like just hanging out. A real friend sees me and calls me out when I'm not honoring God. He keeps me accountable. She keeps me accountable. Why? Because that's what real friends do. Like, if you're on the path to follow Jesus and you decide, hey, this looks pretty good, a real friend goes, hey, bro, that's not, no, no, come over here. Well, let's walk together. Let's do this together. That's being purposeful with your relationship. How about in parenting? Oh, boy, parenting. It's just the kids fail so much. They just, they don't, you know, I know my kids are young, but like, come on, you know? Purposeful parenting, same thing. Doesn't matter how much, doesn't matter how many times you tell them, doesn't matter how much they don't do it, you give them grace. Because we've been given grace. How are we not going to extend that grace, especially to our kids? They're looking to you, parents, to understand who God is and what his character is like. And that's petrifying. Because I know that I'm a sinner. But if you're purposeful in the pain, trust me, your kids will remember it. And a lot of times we're trying to find God. And guess what? That's why we're all here, right? We came to church to find God. But look what Matthew says about coming to the altar, right? It says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother and sister has something against you, uh-oh, Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be what? Reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. If we want to find God, it takes all of you, every part of your body. It takes every part of your heart. But God, you cannot give God your whole heart if your pieces of your heart still belong to past hurts. And somebody out there has a piece of your heart somewhere. So who do you have to forgive? Who do you have to call right after church today? Because I know, I know when I was talking, you're just like, oh man, I know, well, I know Fulana over there, she, you know, but you, she said this to me, but that wasn't fair. That's cool. But is it, is, it, is it worth it to like have her own a piece of your heart when God needs all of it? Absolutely not. It's not fair. Is it fair that they're, they're living rent free in your, in your head? You got a big old mansion in there, right? It's a big place. And they're just living rent-free while like, they live the rest of their life, and now you're stuck here because they still have a piece of the puzzle. No. Reconcile. You need to reconcile. We need to move beyond our pain and be purposeful because if we give him all of our heart, that's when we find him. In Jeremiah 29, it says, Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me. When? When you search for me with all of your heart. God, a lot, of t- a lot of times we just ask, where are you, God? And God is right here. He never changes. But let's continue the story because it gets really good now. Ready? So let's go. Luke 8, 43 says this. Now, a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all of her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any came from behind and touched the border of his garment, of Jesus' garment. And immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? And when all denied it, Peter, which, man, I love Peter. He's, just, he's like, Master, look around. I mean, like the multitudes, they throng and they press you. Like, I don't know, there's a thousand people here. Everybody touched you, right? He, but Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. 
And now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before Jesus. And she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, daughter, uh, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. If you pause there and give me your attention. We want to find God. We need to be purposeful in our pain. And number two, we need to have patience during delays. Yeah. Uh, anybody in here have a patience problem? Wow, we have some bold people. Raise your hand. Wow, I'm surprised. At, at the first service, it was like, no, not me. No, 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 no I'm not, not me, right? Okay, quick question. Anybody ever gotten stuck in traffic before? That's a simple question. We live in South Florida. Duh. That's like asking, is the Palmetto Expressway ever not going to be under construction? I mean, come on. <laughs> right? So that's cool. You've been in traffic. How many of you try to fight the traffic? Oh, some bold people in this room. There's some bold. Like, uh, uh, not, George, not, I'm a Christian. I wait on the Lord. <laughs> I'll, get there immediately. I'll get there when I have to get there. It's fine. I woke up 15 minutes early thinking about the traffic. No one ever does that. We wake up late, and we're late, and we blame the traffic. Anyway, you know what I'm saying? And what happens when you fight the traffic? You, you, you're stuck in traffic, and you see this lane move. And you're like, why did they get to move? <laughs> What's so special about that lane? That's so easy. You switch over. And then when you switch over, they stop. And now the lane that you were in starts moving. You're like, come on, man. Like, seriously? And we do this dance, and you see it. People moving millimeter by millimeter. Like, I'm going to get there faster than you. <laughs> it's like they're crazy, right? How about this? No one, no one here has a patience problem. I get it. Supermarkets. It's time to check out. We've all done the supermarket survey, okay? It's just like, how many things you got in your cart? Mm-mm. Like, oh, no, no, no. And then you look at the cashier, like if, if it's like a little old lady, you're like, no, she's not, no, no, no. The young girl, the young girl, oh, yeah, I, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of this grocery store, right? <laughs> Newsflash, church, we have a patience problem, okay? We do. We have a patience problem. And one of the most dangerous prayers you could ever pray to God is like, God, please help me be more patient. A dangerous prayer. You know why? He's going to find the slowest drivers. Abuelita paying with a check. You know, like, who? You have a check? That should be in a museum. A check? You have a checkbook? What? You balance it out? What? That? What? Like, the, right? Or they're paying with, like, the coins, the rolls of coins. That's great. Anyway, you ask for patience, and God's going to teach you one way or another to be patient. Why? Because it's hard. It's hard to wait, isn't it? It's hard to wait on the Lord if we're really honest because, you know what, I should have gotten the promotion by now. I, I, I should have gotten that raise by now. I, I need to make ends meet. Father, like, what's going on? Like, I've been working so hard, and it's not happening. Maybe you have a prayer that you've been praying for a long time, and it hasn't gotten answered yet. And you're just like, God, did you forget about me? Because that's what we ask. That's what we say. Did you forget about me, God? It's really hard to wait when we want our timing instead of God's timing. But look what Psalm 40 says. I waited patiently for the Lord, and what did he promise? He turned to me, and he heard my cry. He heard my cry. The Lord knows what you are in right now. He knows what you are going through. He knows the desires of each and every single one of us. But could it be that we're so fixated on getting out of the register, getting out of traffic, getting out of our situation, that we miss the lesson while we wait? I can guarantee you right now, God is in the waiting. You want to find him? Start waiting because that's where you're going to find them. There are lessons. Imagine Jairus, okay? He humbled himself, goes to Jesus. Can you, can you please come? Jesus goes, sure. They start walking, and now all these people get in the way. And now there's a lady. It's like, hey, hey, I got a problem too. He's like, girl, take a number, girl. You have an appointment? 
Like, what? no, 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 my daughter's dying. Like, no, 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 right? There's a delay, there's traffic jam. It's like, what, what do I do, what do I do? I mean, everything that, anyway. Jairus is, I, I don't know this for sure because it doesn't say it, but I can only imagine he's human. He's like, my daughter's dying. We need to get going. But church, don't miss the lesson. This woman who, is, who remains nameless, she has spent her entire livelihood on physicians. Nothing healed her. She lost her health, her wealth. Not only that, she was unclean. In Levitical law, her condition meant that she had to be outside of the city for seven days until she was cleansed. She could never do that. And if she touched somebody, guess what? Now they're both having the party for seven days outside because now you made that other person unclean as well. She lost her status and reputation in the Jewish community. She lost everything, and not just for a month, not for a couple of weeks, for 12 years. So you see, she was just as desperate in her condition as Jairus was in his. But what does Jesus do? I love what he does. He shows compassion. She was trembling. Like, what? oh, I touched him. Great. Now he's unclean, and now it's, it's over. And what does he do? He calls her daughter. She is the only woman in the Bible that Jesus refers to as daughter. She's the only one. And I like to think about that, to think that he was reminding her, like, guess what? You've lost everything, but you're accepted. You've lost everything, but you are loved. You're my daughter. Everything that was broken, that you need healing from, guess what? It's done. It's healed. Everything you were looking for. And I'd like to also believe that he addressed her as daughter, for Jairus' sake, who was probably losing patience while his daughter was dying. Because Jesus always has everything under control. And he says, go in peace. For the 12, last 12 years of this lady's life, she wasn't just looking for healing, guys. She was looking for peace. In John 14, Jesus says that peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. But George, it's hard. And I, I, I agree, it is. And maybe today you're here, you're sitting here and you need peace. Maybe for you, you need peace in your family. Your family situation is crazy right now and you're just trying to figure out what's the way out of this. Maybe at your workplace you need peace. Maybe, if we're really honest, I just need peace for myself. Because man, let me tell you, I'm an expert at cutting myself down real quick. I look in the mirror, I'm just like, why do you look this way? Like, look at that face. I mean, that's like, God, right? like, what, what, who, like, and, I, and somehow I'm making like, like, oh, God made a mistake when he made me. And, you know, a lot of times I got to look in that mirror and say, God, you made me exactly how you made me for a purpose. And I'm not believing the lies that are happening in here. I want peace. So would you give me that peace? And I highly suggest, instead of asking for patience, start asking for peace and watch how patience comes in your life. So I love how the, the Apostle Paul puts it. When we're stuck in a really tough situation in Philippians, it says this, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will forget about you? No, what does it say? Will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Church, he has not forgotten about you. He is more than capable of taking care of every single one of us. But let's see what happens in this story because this is a big, big moment, right? So in Luke 8.49, it says this, And while he, Jesus, was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, your daughter's dead. Do not trouble the teachers. Don't even worry about Jesus anymore. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, do not be afraid. Only believe and she will be made well. And when he came into the house, he permitted no one to go except for Peter, James, John, and the father and the mother of the girl. 
Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, Jesus said, do not weep. She's not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. In that culture, death was death. It was the end. There was, no, there was nothing else after that. In another gospel, it said that they started laughing at Jesus. Like, what are you talking about, Jesus? She's dead. What are you going to do, teacher? But he put them all outside. All the haters stayed outside. It's good. And uh, he took her by the hand and called, saying, little girl, arise. Then her spirit returned, and she arose immediately. And he commanded that she be given something to eat, because coming from death to life is a long road, and she needed some snacks. Okay? <laughs> See how compassionate he is? Like, like, she's probably hungry. I love that. And her parents were astonished, and, uh, but he charged them to tell no one about what had happened. Crazy, right? Crazy story. We want to find God in our desperate moments. Be purposeful in your pain, number one. Number two, have patience. Hard one, during delays. And number three, we need to persevere in spite of fear. We need to persevere in spite of fear. In spite of fear. When I read the story, I, I probably read the story, I don't know, 50, 60 times. And like I was just reading to the Bible, it's a, it's a very famous story. But studying for this message, I realized that both the woman and Jairus were very intentional with their pain. They were very purposeful with their pain, right? They went to go find Jesus. They moved toward him. And this woman suffered for 12 years with this condition. 12 years, every single year, nothing but agony and pain. On the flip side, you have Jairus, who has a daughter that brought nothing but joy to his life for 12 years. At the very middle, they meet at the same exact time. She gets healed. She dies. When Jairus' daughter was born, that's when her condition started. And what gives, right? And what does the person say? The person tells like, Jairus, hey, don't worry about Jesus. It's over. It's too late. What's he going to do? She died. The problem is they made the assumption that Jesus can't do anything with dead people, right? And so you have this moment. Jairus is freaking out. He's petrified because what do I do? Do I mourn my daughter's death? Or do I, do I believe this teacher that I've heard about that can heal the blind, heal the sick? So many times in our lives, church, we lose confidence in God's ability only because we are limited by our ability. I do it all the time. But here's what Hebrews says. Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. And I resonate so much with this story because 12 years ago, right, she was 12, she was dealing with this for 12 years. 12 years ago, I was in one of my most desperate situations in my entire life. Like Jairus, I thought it was too late for me. But like the woman, I needed healing. It was a physical problem that I had. I want you to think about it, okay? I, like, I'm 6'2", and I weigh 175 pounds. Back then, I, I was 6'2", and I, I, I weighed 129 pounds. I couldn't eat food <laughs> because when I ate food, it just went right through me. I'll spare you the details, okay? Um, my body couldn't take in nutrients, so I kept losing weight. I went to every doctor, just like this woman. Every test, 
Every diagnosis, I mean, like everything you can possibly do. I was like a little science experiment. It was awesome. It was great. They just kept on poking me. You know, like, like, what's wrong with you? I don't know. That's why I'm here, you know. Um, and it started getting really scary because, like, I just kept losing weight. And nobody can give me an answer. Nobody can heal me. And I was desperate. I just, like, I just want to go out and have a meal. Like, I just, can I just go ha- have some McDonald's fries, please? I couldn't even do that. And it all changed when my wife said this one thing that I'll never forget. And I was taking like 90 pills a month to try to ease the pain and all that. You know, it's great. That's great. My wife told me, like, husbands, if you're listening to me right now, there's a reason why God has placed. Second. There's a reason why God has placed your wife next to you. Because they have wisdom that we do not have. And in moments like that where I thought I hit a brick wall, she saw opportunities. <laughs> she said, why don't you stop taking your medication? I'm like, oh, easy for you to say. I've had this for 20-something years, you know? And she's just like, yeah, but you didn't have Jesus in your life back then. (sighs) Drop the mic. She's like, why don't you pray that he would heal you? I'm like, okay. So I wrote this prayer. It's not a magic formula. I have it written in a journal in my office still to this day. I said, God, this is your temple, it says in your word. So take care of your temple. This is your stomach. So I surrender the stomach. I just want to be healed. And I prayed, just like we talked about last year, last week, I prayed in Jesus' name. And I wish I could tell you something happened. <gasps> you know? Me being the sinner that I am, I started counting down the days because I was such a doubter. I'm like, there's no way. It's too late. So I wrote down one day without my medication. Three days without my medication. Three weeks. And today it's been 12 years. Yeah. <laughs> And please don't get, hold on, please don't get this twisted. Please take your prescription drugs. I'm not telling you to throw them out. Like, that's it, Pastor George told me I don't need the drugs. No, please, please. If the doctor prescribes something to you, I am not a doctor. This medication, it wasn't like a life-threatening thing. It was just, it was just, I don't know what happened. But what I do know is that I was convinced, church, because of fear that it was too late for God to do something with me. And I know, I know with all my heart, there are people here today, and you might be this person, that you're probably saying the same thing. You're probably thinking, oh, you don't, George, that's, you don't know what I've done. I don't, but he does. And that's not stopping him from loving you any day this week. But we've convinced ourselves that we're too late for him to continue to write a story. So today, my friends, we all have a, a, a choice to make, just like Jairus. Do I continue to do what I've always done? Do I continue to believe what I've always believed and get the same results that I've always gotten, which is the literal translation of insanity? Or can I trust this teacher that I keep hearing about named Jesus? This teacher that has healed, restored, and resurrected people. Could I possibly humble myself enough to follow him And would he be willing to do something in me? Spoiler alert, he is more than willing and more than able to do it. So let's pray. Father, I thank you so much. I thank you for what you've done, what you've written about in your word. We can come to and find hope in our desperation, Father. God, forgive us for the moments where we forget that, forget that we have your word here. 
that your word is alive so that it can keep us alive, Father. And we're stuck behind, against the wall and we think that there's no way out. Father, would you open our eyes to see that there are so many more options available to us if we would just come to you, just like Jairus, just like this woman, just like I did 12 years ago. It seemed impossible, Father. And some of us in this room are in some really, really desperate situations, but God, you are more than capable of rescuing your children. And today we have a choice, whether to follow your son who reconciled our relationship with you, God. Even at our worst, Jesus died on the cross forgave us of all of the sins that we've ever made and will ever make so that we can have a relationship with you. So if every eye closed, every head bowed, maybe you're right there, you're, you're in this situation, you're, you're, George, that's me right now, what do I do? I'm inviting you to make a decision to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I'm inviting you to turn from your ways. I'm inviting you to make him the Lord of Lords, the name above all names, the name of Jesus Christ in your life. It doesn't mean you're not going to have issues. But if you wholeheartedly make that decision today, you shall be saved. So if you are ready to make that decision, with every eye closed, every head bowed, I want to invite you to raise your hand so I can pray for you. I see your hand. God, ble- I see. God bless you. I see you in the back. God bless you. Father, I thank you for every hand that's been raised More importantly, every decision that was made to follow your son, Jesus, God. Now, God, I just, I pray right now that you would do a work in their hearts. You would do a work in their lives. They would start reconciling their relationships. They would start doing something that is unheard of. Where their story, they thought their story was ending. You are just beginning to write that story today because they put their trust and faith in you. So with every eye closed, every head bowed, all of us, we're all going to pray together, encouraging those people who are making this decision. So just repeat after me. Just say, dear God, I come before you today and I say that I'm sorry for the mistakes in my life, for the sin in my life. I believe that Jesus gave his life so I can find mine. And I want to follow him all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, and everybody says, amen, amen. Come on now, can we give it up for anybody who made that decision? Yeah. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If today you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's one of the best decisions you've ever made. And we as a church want to help you with your next steps. You see, we have a free gift we'd like to give you. And in order for you to receive that gift, all you have to do is visit mycalvary.com forward slash begin. Don't forget to tune in next week for our next podcast. God bless you.